Welcome to the 131st episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, our topics are a brief overview of Patrick's weekend predictions, and we'll talk about the NCAA tournament, including our Sweet 16 predictions. So let's jump right in with a look back at Patrick's weekend predictions, which are posted every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com, and we will start in the NBA, where Patrick went 2-2 two and two with his predictions. Similarly, in NCAA basketball, Action this past weekend, Patrick also went 2-2, two and two, so his overall total this weekend was 4-4, four and four, and that brings him to a 37, 372, sorry, and 265 overall record with his weekend predictions, a 58.4% winning percentage. Patrick, your thoughts on your predictions? Well, uh, I don't want to dwell on them for too long, obviously, to talk about, uh, to make sure that we have enough time to talk about the NCAA tournament, obviously. Uh, but in the NBA, obviously, we have not talked about it on the podcast in depth, but I assure you next Monday we will be talking about it in depth as we get really, really close to playoff time, and there's only a few games left in college basketball. Actually, it would only be the Final Four uh, left to be played uh, by the end of this weekend. Uh, but moving on from uh, that, uh, did okay in my NBA predictions and did okay in my NCAA basketball predictions. I mean, I think... I picked four picks from my initial bracket and just kind of copy-pasted them in, in a way. And uh, I think I tried to pick the closest games or the games people thought were going to be the closest and then added in that little Miami-USC upset. And uh, that pick was right. But uh, surprise, surprise, Iowa State was able to beat LSU. And then uh, I, I didn't put Texas and Virginia Tech there, but I think I, I think I had Texas in that game. I don't know. But I think... I actually looked at it in any of the games that I was considering. It would have balanced out to 2-2 two and two anyway because uh, I did not have TCU uh, really showing up very, very strong this weekend. Probably the most impressive showing of the tournament for a team that won't be in Sweet 16, honestly, uh, after beating Seton Hall by 25 and then ticking Arizona to overtime. Uh, but I had I had Seton Hall beating them in the first round. That obviously did not happen. Um, and then in the NBA, felt I did fine with my predictions. It's close games as always, but... Uh, Nothing really to complain about or to really point out in those games either. So, Okay, well, Patrick's predictions for next weekend will be posted, as always, on our website on Thursday. Let's move then to our in-depth look at the NCAA tournament, uh, starting with our look back at how the various game-picking methods have worked so far for Patrick. Well, uh, at the very, very top... Surprisingly, we actually have Ken Palm offense. Uh, so if you thought defense wins championships, Ken Palm is here to prove you wrong. Uh, I will say that the few things that are moving that bracket forward a lot are the fact that UCLA, I mean, there, there are many things, but UCLA, Purdue, Arizona, uh, Villanova, Kansas uh, are very strong teams in Ken Palm's offensive ratings. And the other thing that people probably wouldn't guess is that actually... Houston, first of all, is there, which we talked about. Michigan was favored to upset Colorado State and upset uh, Tennessee in the second round based off of offensive efficiency. So Ken Palm got that right if you looked at the offensive end. And Miami was favored to upset not only USC, but also Auburn in the second round based off of Ken Palm offensive efficiency. Uh, And then the other thing is this bracket actually has good potential because its champion is still in, that being Gonzaga. The only problem is that uh, Iowa's supposed to go all the way to the championship game, but it actually had Kentucky losing to Purdue uh, and then having Purdue going to the Final Four. So Final Four in this bracket is Gonzaga, Purdue, Arizona, Iowa. The Three of the four teams still alive, and the champion is still alive. So uh, overall, this bracket's not looking bad. 
Uh, and by the way, it has Miami in the, in all the way go, going all the way to the Elite Eight, too. So there's that. Uh, so if Miami wins that game against Iowa State, this bracket is going to end up doing pretty, pretty well. And uh, if, any, if everything else pretty much goes chalk, it'll also uh, do very well, uh, especially in the West and in the South. Uh, but moving on from that, then you have literally just picking all chalk as the next uh, best, which is kind of surprising when you think about Kentucky losing. Uh, but the one thing that people forget is that if you actually look at it, the West is literally a chalk region entirely. Uh, the East, yeah, sure, you don't have Kentucky there and then Baylor just lost, but that loss doesn't mean too much. Obviously, it will in the grand scheme of things because they can't go to the Final Four. Uh, but Kentucky and Baylor, obviously, were the only teams that got knocked out there. And then, obviously, you have Houston uh, that, that's there instead of Illinois. But Arizona and Villanova still holding strong there. And then Kansas and Providence still going there. So in each region... The chalk had two of the teams in the in the Sweet 16 from each little mini region. The BPI is actually tied with chalk, uh, but a little bit less points in terms of uh, left to go. Uh, my normal bracket is doing better than my objective bracket, which I guess tells you that you should not pick with your head and always pick with your heart, uh, at least in bracket time, because you know everything's crazy anyway. Uh, but Unfortunately, that team does that one doesn't have its champion in it, so that that probably won't do too well in the end. Uh, the net also has Gonzaga; it's at 390 points according to ESPN, which is 30 30 behind the chalk and and 40 behind Ken Palm offense. Uh, Ken Palm, just flat out regular Ken Palm, is doing better, is doing worse than the offensive bracket, but much better than the defensive bracket. Funny enough, it actually falls in terms of point totals right in between, or I guess one game off of being right in between. Uh, at 380 points, uh, and that bracket still has Kent, it still has Gonzaga winning it all. Uh, then you have my objective bracket tied with my written bracket, and then you have the Ken Palm defensive bracket. Uh, that one is doing the worst by far, uh, other than the random number ones, uh, and that one also has Texas Tech winning it all. So, uh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I think that one, that one actually could survive for the West region, and that's about it. I mean, it has Gonzaga, Arkansas, Texas Tech, and Duke. Actually has both favorites in Vegas winning, uh, that being Gonzaga and Texas Tech, but uh, I, I don't think many people are favoring Gonzaga over Texas, or, or sorry, Texas Tech over Gonzaga. Uh, and then really all it has left going for it is just Houston winning that next round game, and Texas Tech going all the way is pretty much all the points it has left in it. Uh, so that's not very likely, uh, I'm going to be quite honest. So that bracket might fall out in flames, even though it's already in the 24th percentile. So uh, that's how the bracket picking experiments are going right now. Okay, well, let's move on to our predictions for the Sweet 16. Now that we only have 16 teams left after four days of intense action, well, 13 hours of basketball, 12, 13 hours straight, four days in a row, a grueling weekend for the teams, and a grueling weekend for you and I, who tried to watch basically every minute simultaneously those games. So based on what you've seen so far, Patrick... Uh, let's take a look at your prediction, starting with the first game that will kick off Thursday night, Gonzaga against Arkansas. I can go with Gonzaga here. I mean, I, I think everybody knows that I was on record saying that UConn would be here instead of Arkansas in the first place, uh, but didn't really think either of them had the greatest chance to knock off Gonzaga, and I don't actually think at this point in the year that Arkansas is the inferior team to UConn, but I don't fare their chances against Gonzaga as being any better, so... Uh, uh, while the Memphis game showed some struggles for Gonzaga, I really feel like that had mostly to do with the fact that Memphis is one of the only teams in the country that can actually match Gonzaga's pace and is probably much more athletic than Gonzaga. 
uh, in terms of the players on their team. They're also they also have a deeper bench, uh, and they were with. They, they, but I mean, as soon as they got in some foul trouble, Jalen Durr and that game kind of derailed for Memphis. Uh, but look, Memphis had the lead there. I'm not giving them. I'm not saying that they don't deserve their credit. They played a great game against Gonzaga. But Arkansas also almost lost to New Mexico State, who only scored, what, 38 points? So let's not act like Arkansas didn't have a tough time in their last round either. So maybe if we were looking at a four seed who did what Providence did and won by, what, 30 or 40 over the team that it played, over the 12 seed that it played, I might be saying that it would be a little bit close. But Arkansas also struggled with their with their opponent, and that was a much weaker opponent too in New Mexico State. So uh, no no disrespect to the Aggies, but uh, they're not quite as good as Memphis was at the end of the season, especially. Uh, so I still have to go with Gonzaga. Their struggles aside, yeah, I'm uh, I'm right there with you. Uh, I think Gonzaga wins this game. Um, they had a tough game versus Memphis. That's sometimes what it takes. You you have your tough game, and uh, we'll probably talk about another team that had a. Tough game and, and got th- got past it um, that we think is going to advance pretty far, but I'm sticking with Gonzaga, so I agree with you on this one. Uh, and also something to note is that uh, Jalen Duran obviously probably going to be a top 10 pick, maybe even a top 5 pick uh, as a big man, and Gonzaga's strength is, are, are strengths are Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren. Uh, I, I, I think Jalen Williams is probably one of the better bigs in the SEC, but I don't know if he, I mean... Jalen Duren is Jalen Duren, right? I don't know if Jalen Williams alone will be enough to stop Timmy and Holmgren, and I don't even know who's going to be guarding Timmy uh, if 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 Jalen Williams is stuck on Holmgren or vice versa. Uh, so I also think the bigs matchup. I think Memphis actually had a decent matchup with Gonzaga, just throwing different styles at them and more athleticism. I don't know exactly how Arkansas will fare in that department, although... I wouldn't be surprised if J.D. Note was able to take over this game and Gonzaga wasn't able to guard him out on the perimeter. All right, well, let's move to the next game, which is in the South region, where number two-seeded Villanova takes on our beloved Wolverines of Michigan, the 11th seed. Well, I will say Villanova was one, well, a few Illinois baskets and a few stops away from possibly playing all Big Ten teams (laughs) after their first-round matchup against Delaware. Uh, But... I, obviously, that's not going to happen at this point because it has to be Arizona or Houston that they play next. Uh, in terms of this game, I feel like it'll be closer than many people think it will be. I think I think the line's sitting at something like five and a half or six. So I think most I think most educated opinions of it are that the game is going to be somewhat close. So I, I stand with that. I don't know if it's going to be one of those one or two point games that's really really close at the end. I, I feel like, but I, I don't think that either team has the capability to run either team out of the gym, honestly. Uh, but I do think I have to go with Villanova for this one. Uh, I just think, you know, it, it, it happens often that teams get very hot for one weekend and they kind of play out of their minds, and especially with the double-digit seeds. I mean, we see it all the time, right? That stat that, that what, every year for, what, since, I don't know I don't know what the stat is, but I think it's since 2008. Yes. There's a double-digit seed in the Sweet 16, and then a five seed or worse has reached the final four in each of the last eight tournaments. But there's a reason why you don't hear that number being a seven or an eight seed. You have to go up a little bit to get to the upper echelon of teams to actually get past the second weekend. And I think there's a reason for that. And I think that even though these teams are making great runs, I mean, St. Peter's is having a year a year to remember. Uh, no matter what happens, even if Purdue beats them by 40, I'm pretty sure they'll still remember this. 
Um, Michigan, same thing, kind of salvaging their season after really, a, honestly, a roller coaster of a season. But I just feel like it almost always happens that the later you get, the more chalky the bracket gets. And I think this just holds form there, and I think that Villanova takes that win. Well, I'm going to um, agree with you, um, and I'm going to keep picking against Michigan, hoping that I continue to be wrong and hedge my emotions with my predictions. But Well, I, I, I did Michigan's pick against played... the Rams in every single game yeah. in the playoffs, and that worked. So I don't there think you Michigan's go. played out of its head yet. I think they played a terrible half of basketball against Colorado State, played a good second half, and they played a very good game um, against Tennessee, but actually they turned the ball over a turned ton, the ball over and a lot. they missed a ton of open threes. Now, Tennessee missed a ton of open threes, too, uncharacteristically, so Michigan may have dodged a bullet there. And Michigan actually shot in the end like 38%, which is pretty much the team percentage on the year, if not a little bit higher. So they shot pretty much average. You're right. They did play an average they game. They played an average game. They didn't play one But of it's hard games. to play an average game against the number three defense in the country. I think that uh, – but what I'm saying is Michigan has a chance because they haven't played their best game yet. And I will say the big question mark for Michigan, again, the point guard. Devontae Jones missed the first game with a concussion. Um and Frankie Collins emerged and actually in the second half really steadied himself, got some confidence. Devontae Jones came back, hurt himself again, looked like another blow to the head in addition to all the other uh, bangs that now he got on his wrist and some blood. Well, that was in the first half. He never played in the second right, half. Right, he didn't play in the second the half, and that tells you that uh, he was probably pretty woozy from getting dinged in the head by his own player again, so that's twice because it happened in practice. I don't know what happens with Devontae Jones. If Devontae Jones plays um, and is healthy, that boosts Michigan's chances. But I'm going to go with Villanova. Um, I'm going to go with my head, not with my heart, and I hope that my heart is happy. The other thing I will say is it kind of reminds me if if anybody who, obviously we follow Michigan a little bit deeper than most people do, but Michigan lost on its home floor to Ohio State playing with Hunter Dickinson and then three weeks later played at Ohio State without Hunter Dickinson last minute and almost this faster, more athletic lineup with better spacing because Musa Diabate was really the only guy in the lane it played better against a team that has EJ Liddell as its center and doesn't run very well. I mean, they run Zed Key a little bit and Kyle Young, but they're more, they're not necessarily the slow, the, the slow grinded out big 10 bigs that you see like Zach Eady and Hunter Dickinson. They're not like that. They're, they're not like those guys at all or Trace Jackson Davis, even although he's probably a lot more athletic than any other guys I mentioned. But I think Michigan's going to struggle with Eric Dixon because I think he's just kind of, he, he's physical enough to handle Hunter Dickinson but he's also way more athletic. He's 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 in the EJ Liddell realm of ath- of athleticism. Not quite that athletic, but also still is big enough to handle them in the post. And I don't know how Michigan's going to deal with uh, Villanova's big guards because that has been an issue for Michigan in the past is dealing with big guards. Because you mentioned those point guards. Uh, you mentioned Frankie Collins and Devontae Jones. The only other guard that's been in Michigan's lineup is Eli Brooks, and he's only 6'1". So Michigan has three point guards under 6'1". I don't know exactly. I guess Devontae Jones might be 6'2 or 6'3". But... Michigan does not have enough size, I don't think, to deal with. I mean, Colin Gillespie is not necessarily, you know, the six-five giant guy. <laughs> He's not necessarily a Jaden Ivy size or anything like that. Uh, but I don't know about Michigan handling the overall lineup of Villanova. All right, well, let's move to what will be the third game on Thursday night, where you have number two seeded Duke against number three seeded Texas Tech in the West Region. Winner that game to play the winner of Gonzaga, Arkansas. Yeah, I like what I saw out of Duke this week, uh, and that might have spoiled my pick a little bit, but uh, I'm going with Duke. I really think that um, I think they have good matchups with Texas Tech. I don't necessarily like the fact that Texas Tech's biggest guy is still smaller smaller than Paolo Bancaro, and Paolo Bancaro is going to be probably the number one pick in the draft. At least that's the way it's trending. 
I don't like that that's really the matchup there, and I think Texas Tech gets a lot of their points in the interior, uh, and Duke has really good shot blocking with Mark Williams, and also Paolo Bancaro can step up and play good defense too, uh, and I think they'll be able to do that, and I think as a team they'll play good defense, and I know that Texas Tech might not have the size at center, but also, as I mentioned, they have this lineup where basically everybody is above 6'4", pretty much, and that's kind of the lineup that they like to play a lot, but at the same time, I still think Duke can do enough uh, with the guards to not really give up many points to bigger guards, and then I think that they can dominate with their bigs. Well, I'm going to go with Texas Tech. Um, and I don't know. I think everybody thinks Duke looked, you know, has made an impressive run so far, but to me, they were on the ropes against a very mediocre Michigan State team. Um, That's the best I've seen Michigan State play all season. True. That's uh, maybe the second half against Michigan. But uh, mediocre Michigan State team had them on the ropes. Now Duke responded in the last five minutes of that game to take it away. But I, I'm I'm sick of picking chalk. I guess maybe. Um, so I'm going to go with the three over the two here. Maybe be a little different from you. And frankly, I'll be rooting against Duke. So um, I'm going to go with Texas Tech. Although I think Duke has a decided coaching advantage in this one. Well, you do. You are not picking chalk, but you're actually picking the favorite in the matchup. Little did you know. So there is that going there. So. You kind of are picking chalk if you think about it, but I guess not chalk in terms of the seeding. Correct. All right, let's move on to the last game on Thursday night. Houston versus Arizona, one seed versus a five seed. Um, Kind of the opposite of Duke. I don't like what I saw out of Arizona. I thought Seton Hall was good enough to beat TCU. That is not me saying that TCU is a bad team, but they are not the quality of team that Arizona has played close games against this season. I would mention a game against USC where they were up 51-26 to 26 at the half on the road, and I would say they now played on a neutral court where really it was mostly Arizona fans, and all of a sudden they go to overtime with a TCU team that, let's just say, isn't USC at, at best. I mean, they're actually probably in the same, honestly, they're probably in the same category of teams, One USC being a 7 seed that got upset in the first round, TCU being a 9 seed that won their first round game. Uh, but at, at the same time, I just don't think that that showing has convinced me that Arizona is going to be the team that I thought they were going to be, even with Kirkreesa back. He still looks a little bit off in terms of shooting. I think he was like one for six or one for eight from three-point from three point land in that game against TCU. And overall, they really could not guard a pick and roll at all. And also, one thing that nobody is talking about, TCU dominated Arizona at the end of the game on the glass, especially on the offensive glass. That's Houston's entire game. That is what they do. They like to shoot threes, and when they miss them, they get the rebound and they shoot another one, and it always goes in because they can shoot 35, 40% from three, but really they're getting they're getting like one and a half threes per possession out of that because they pretty much rebound every other shot they miss. Um, and I just think that I see that out of Arizona, and maybe, maybe that after that TCU game, it becomes a bigger focus for them and they realize that they're going to focus more on it, and they're playing a team that they know that's kind of their game, and that might make them tuned into it a little bit more, and it might make everybody step up a little bit more, and they might be very, very good on the defensive class because they have the size to easily do it uh, with Umar Balo and Christian Coloco, and even their guards are very long. Uh, but I think if they don't do enough this week to game plan around offensive rebounding, uh, I, I think Houston's going to win this game. I think they're going to be able to outshoot them, and I think Houston has that championship experience. They went to the Final Four last year. They are not afraid of anybody in the country, even without 
their two, uh, Marcus Sasser and Traymond Mark being out, I think, I don't think they're afraid of anything at this point. They pretty much dealt with every every bad hand that's been dealt to them all year, and I think they know how to play. They know how to play their style, and I think their style pretty counters Arizona decently well. Well, uh, I'm going to go with Arizona. Um, I think Arizona's another team that dodged that bullet. They played that bad game. That, not they didn't really play a bad game, but uh, they they. You could argue they, they did. They tasted. They very very much uh, tasted defeat and saw the end of their season. I think they maybe they play a little looser. Um, I think they're the more talented team overall. That is that is definitely true. And I, I think that um, they right the ship uh, and that they roll over Houston. I know Houston's a very trendy pick, um, including by yours truly for certain questions that have been asked in the podcast and maybe asked again. A lot of people I hear are getting on the Houston bandwagon. Um, sometimes that fires up a team. So I'm going to stick with Arizona. Let's move on, unless you want to comment more on that game. Well, I, w- I will say I, I think – it's kind of the case of the one seed in general, and frankly with Duke too, it's really hard to know if you should be riding the momentum from last round or if the four days break is going to just change everything and all of a sudden teams are going to lock back in, they're going to start clicking on offense again. In Arizona's case, they're going to key in on areas that were weaknesses for them, uh, allowing a center to get his career high, and really when you have two seven-footers is kind of, I wouldn't say embarrassing, but because Eddie Lampkin just played a great game, but it's not in Arizona style to let that happen, so they they might focus a little bit more on it and be ready for it, or they might ju- that just might be something that they're kind of getting exposed for late in the year. So uh, that I, I feel like I agree with you in terms of they might lock in on it. And obviously, I thought Arizona was championship quality at the beginning of the tournament. I still think they are. If they were playing honestly, if they were playing any team other than Houston, I probably wouldn't pick them. Uh, I probably would pick Arizona to win that game. But right now, I do like how Houston is trending, and even how they deal with the big like Kofi Coburn. I think they'll easily be able to deal with any other any other team's size and really matchups that they have. All right, well, let's move on to the games. Uh, Friday night, the first game, number three Purdue versus number fifteen, the proud Pelicans of St. Peter's, the prowling Pelicans. What do you think about this matchup? Well, I was stalling because there's probably not much to say about it. Well. There is something to say about it because the Peacocks, not the Pelicans, oh, Pel- do have do have the same <laughs> first name, last name, uh, first initial of their. Sorry, St. Peter's. They I have the that. same first name. They have the same first initial of their uh, of their their nickname as my name as my first name. So obviously, I'm very I'm very sensitive to the words that start with P. They are the St. Peter's Peacocks. St. Peter's Peacocks. It, it it sounds pretty similar, actually. It's, it's it sounds a lot more similar than Pelicans. Uh, but yeah, the St. Peter's Peter Pe- St. Peter's Pelicans, St. Peter's Peacocks, pay Purdue. Yeah, that I was about to say that actually. Uh, but yeah, you know, there's one thing that Onomatopoeia and all those things can't deal with, and that's the fact that St. Peter's has three, six, seven guys that are their three, fours, and fives on the floor. I, they're not Zach Eady. Zach Eady has almost a foot on anybody that St. Peter's is going to throw against them. Uh, if you looked up any time in the second half of the Texas Purdue game. You probably saw that they were throwing up the stat that Purdue had, what, 45-ish free throws by the end of the game? Uh, If they were ever to set a free throw shooting record in terms of most attempts, this would probably be the game that that happens. Uh, I just don't think St. Peter's has the size to deal with Zach Eady and Travion Williams, although I love the Cinderella story, and I would love to be wrong, just like everybody was wrong when they picked 
when they said, oh, Oral Roberts got that nice first-round win, but now that Flor- now Florida's really got an edge and they're going to beat Oral Roberts. I think it's the exact same situation. And honestly, everybody thought Arkansas was going to kill Oral Roberts last year, and Oral Roberts had one shot to win the game and barely missed it. So it could come down to that again. I'm not saying it's going to be that close, but I, I think it will be way closer than people think. It's definitely closer than a 12.5-point line because it's March. Well, uh, either one of two things are going to happen. Either Purdue's going to win... Or the St. Peter's Peacocks are going to be so mad by me not knowing what their nickname was that it'll be bulletin board material and it will spur them on to victory. So Purdue's going to win the game. Yeah, um, I was about to say, I don't think they listened. So, yeah, uh, yeah so, they so don't have really bulletin board Purdue's material. Purdue's going to win the game. Your Cinderella is gone. Time to your pumpkin, whatever the analogy is, uh, you're gonna, your pumpkin is going to go away at midnight. Your pumpkin chariot from Cinderella. Um, you're going to turn into a pumpkin. That's what I it is. I think it's just that the glass slipper doesn't fit glass anymore. Glass slipper doesn't but... fit anymore, and you turn into a pumpkin. Yeah, well, they'll uh, stop dancing. Yeah, so, yeah, so the, pel- the the peacocks turn into a pumpkin. You almost called them the pelicans again. I know. Well, speaking of peas, let's move on to Providence. Providence versus Kansas. What uh, do you think? I think Providence will keep this game close, but I, I have to go with Kansas. I just think they're just too talented. I, I don't really have any other reasons, honestly. It- it's just that... I've watched both teams a lot this year, and I just don't think that this is a matchup that Providence likes, and I don't think it's a matchup that's going to go well for them. Uh, And I think that when the lights are their brightest, and, you know, they played a 13 seed and a 12 seed, so maybe no one's really seen what Providence truly is, but this team has been Sweet 16 quality all year long. Uh, I have said that all year long. Even when they were unranked, you were saying it. And they have proven that all year long, and now here they are. Um, but, you know, I've been on the train the whole year. The train has to come to a stop at some point, and that stop is it, it, it's Kansas. I, I just think that it would be the perfect ending to the season for Providence to play that one last close game, but it finally doesn't go uh, their way, and I think that might be what happens in this game. But honestly... I just think that Kansas is just a little bit too talented for Providence to beat. I think, I, I honestly think that there are better teams in the tournament that Providence could beat, or not better teams than Kansas, but better teams, higher seeded teams than Providence that that they could beat. But I just don't think Kansas falls into that. Yeah, I my notes for this was uh, Kansas um, will win, but uh, Providence is going to keep it close. So um, I have to agree with you on this pick. Let's move to another pick. The next game, North Carolina against UCLA. Let's see if we agree on this one. A four versus an eight. Well, I think that this game really relies on one thing, and it's Jaime Hawkes' health. Uh, say that. A lot of alliteration I was about to say, say, that, say that five times fast. Um, but if his ankle is hurt, then I don't, I don't think UCLA is winning this game. I, I, I honestly think that if he is not – honestly, if he's not 85 or 90%, I think North Carolina is winning this game. I think that he will not be 100%, but I think that he'll honestly be fine enough because he's also dealt with an ankle injury three different times this season already. He knows how to play with an ankle injury. Um, Don't ask me why, don't ask me how, but he has done it multiple times this season. I won't be surprised if or when he does it again. And if he's fully healthy, then UCLA has an even better chance of winning this game. But... I just think UCLA is good enough to win this game, and I feel like uh, as much as as much as we can doubt the Pac-12, and uh, well, I was right about USC the whole season, though we can say that much. Uh, as much as anybody can doubt the Pac-12, there's st- they still might have two teams in the Elite Eight, and maybe even two teams in the Final Four. Yeah, I agree with you. I think what you're saying is the outcome of this game hinges on Jaime Hawkins' health. 
we got to go keep that alliteration theme. No, I agree with you. People, uh, people forget UCLA is a battle-tested team that was there last year, and they really haven't lost anybody from. I was that about team. to say they literally did not lose it's a single the same player. team. So they were, and actually added players too. Yeah, but. and now last year's team, as 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 I have pointed out, is very fortunate to win some games due to teams uncharacteristically missing free throws. So um, they they their luck factor was probably number one in the tournament last year. But with that being said, they do have that tournament experience, so they're better than they were last year. And, the, and they believe in themselves. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, not to say North Carolina does not believe in themselves, because after you beat the one seed, after all, everything that happened in that game, uh, I really think that if North Carolina had blown Baylor out, UCLA might actually be favored by more in this game. Because North Carolina actually had to fight through a lot, and they finally found guys in their rotation that can actually play some minutes and play good minutes. Um, so... I really think that that benefits North Carolina, actually, that they got it to overtime and they had that close game experience because they will have to play a close game against UCLA. That is a fact. They have lost games by 20 this year. Uh, they, I mean, they lost two games by 20 points, and that was when they really turned it on. And then their big one of the season was by 15. Their worst loss of the season, to do, or their biggest loss of the season, was to Duke by 15. Then they lost in the, in the ACC tournament by 20. So... They do not play close games a lot. That experience is going to help them a lot. But UCLA doesn't have one game of tournament experience in close games. They have two years of it. And they already played two other close games this year alone. And even at the end of the game without Jaime Hawkins, where they actually played better. But the matchups don't make that that much of a possibility in this game. But UCLA just has too much experience. Yeah, I will say one thing. North Carolina reminds me of Michigan a lot. They're capable of beating anybody and by a large margin, including Michigan. And they're also capable of really stinking up the joint and losing to a bunch of people. So, I don't know. Did they peak last weekend against Baylor, and, and did they or did they learn their they lesson? They won weekend wonders. Yeah, I, 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 but again, I'm going to go with UCLA and their experience and, frankly, a little bit of a coaching advantage. So, I agree with you. Let's move on to the final matchup, which is Iowa State against Miami. Um, first question I have for you is, will a double-digit seed make the Elite Eight? The answer is, we know yes, because this is an 11 versus a 10. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you answered the question for me, so that wasn't much <laughs> of a question. Not, not really a question. Uh, but it's got to be Miami for me. Um, I, I don't really, I can't e- honestly explain why, because after Iowa State's run to start the season where they started off 12-0 and and then got beaten up by Baylor, I, I really didn't watch much of them because I thought they wouldn't be much of a factor. Um, but, you know, credit to Iowa State for making it this far, honestly. I, I think... To go from 2-22 and 22 to the top 16, I mean, whether you want to say that it's not the top 16, it's the Sweet 16, it's different. I don't really care. They, they went from 2-22 and 22 to the Sweet 16. It's ridiculous. If you look at what they did last year, with the same coach, by the way, it was his first year, but still the same coach, you would assume they wouldn't even sniff the tournament this year. They wouldn't even come close to it. They 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 cut it close. They barely made it. They, they had some issues at the end of the year that caused them to almost slip out of the field but not quite enough, and they ended up playing very well with the with the hand of cards that was dealt to them. But honestly, if you wanted to go with the easiest path path an eleven seed has ever had, that's what I was. No say. offense, but Wisconsin is the worst three in this tournament, and it's not close. Maybe one of the worst threes of all time. I don't. I don't know about that. For no, you, could probably find some other teams. But overrated. anyway, I, I know you don't like Wisconsin, but that's I just a day. Don't think they're that good. Well, you don't like Wisconsin, but anyway, I'll move on from that. I don't the like other thing. I don't think they're good. But the other thing that you're not even thinking about is the fact that all Iowa State needed was a little bit of confidence, like that they had at the beginning of the year, because they started twelve and zero. They were beating good teams. They beat Memphis 
Texas. They beat Virginia Tech. They beat them on neutral courts. They beat good teams. But they did it when they were on a roll. And then all of a sudden, when the going got tough, they barely eked out some wins, and that was the only thing that kept them in the tournament picture. But all of a sudden, they got this gift of Will Wade getting notice of allegations <laughs> from the FBI. And all of a sudden, they're playing a team without a coach in the first round. And then they think that they're really, really good because they held that very good LSU team, which, by the way, had a lot of mismatches for them, to, what, 50 points or something? Or 54. 45 points? 59, whatever 50, it was. 59, 54. Yeah, okay. So they held them to 54 points, and then they had some confidence going, and then they played pretty much the same game against Wisconsin. And Wisconsin was more adapted to that style of game, but Iowa State plays that style better because they play better defense than Wisconsin. And in the end, that's what propelled Iowa State to the win. But I will say, when you're looking at... Colorado State and Tennessee on Michigan's end, especially when you look at Tennessee. I mean, I'd rather I'd rather play Wisconsin and play LSU than play Tennessee just once, honestly. Um, even throwing Colorado State out of that, who, by the way, was a very good team and had some mismatches for Michigan of their own. But look, they did not have the hardest road, whereas Miami has played very well this year against good teams. They show up when it counts. I think they're 5-0 and against the North Carolina teams this year in the ACC. They barely lost any games. You didn't think they'd be doing so well in the ACC. And they just kind of reinvented their style after some losses on a neutral court. I think they lost to Dayton even on a neutral court. And then they just turned it on from there. And Isaiah Wong, Cam Augusti, and Charlie Moore have just been ridiculous for this team. And the thing is, I just think that Iowa State makes you play a lot of individual ball. And they, they don't really like, they, they take you out of what you like to do as a team. Miami doesn't really do much as a team. They kind of like they kind of like to just ISO their guys. So I honestly don't think it's going to be that terrible for them. The one thing that could get Miami in this game for sure is if their guys don't make their shots. Because if they don't, Iowa State's going to walk away with this game easily because they will they will continue to force them into just ISOing. And they and if they're not if those shots aren't falling for Isaiah Wong and Cam Augusti, Miami will not win this game. But I think those shots will fall. I think that they have so much confidence coming off of that Auburn win too. Uh, obviously. Auburn a much better team than Wisconsin, we can say that much. But, well, honestly, who who knows at this point? Uh, but I, I have to go with Miami for those reasons. Yeah, I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. Iowa, I think, probably had one of the easiest— Iowa State. E, Iowa State had one of the easiest paths to the Sweet 16 of 11 seed ever, 11 seed ever before Chucky Hepburn got hurt for Wisconsin. That's and also so true. They had a team who lost— their coach. Team who lost their coach and then a team, team who, who lost, lost their, their point guard, guard in, the, in the middle of the first half. And they weren't those great teams to begin with. And also they fouled Tari. And also they they very, they very got very, very close to fouling Tari Eason out of the game for LSU. And that was really the offensive mismatch that LSU had to exploit. And they couldn't because he wasn't on the floor. Uh, and, I mean, that, that, that also got LSU out of their game. So. Iowa State scored 59 points against LSU and won by five and scored 54 Against Wisconsin, one by five. Well, but I told you, Miami is scoring more than sixty. But this is the reason why I did why I didn't like Iowa State in the first place. Everybody knows they just don't score. We we do know that it's just all about if their defense can hold the team under pretty much sixty, and that's kind of their golden number. I think I think Miami will only score like sixty five or seventy in this game, but I think they're going to win like seventy to sixty five or like. 67 to 62. It's going to be somewhere in that range. I honestly think that Iowa State's defense will hold up fine, but just not enough for the win. Yeah, well, anybody who watched that Iowa State-Wisconsin game should get hazard pay. All right, I agree with you. Um, That's our predictions for the Sweet 16. Let's move on to some of our favorite questions. We've mentioned some of them before. Uh, This year, four double-digit seeds reached the Sweet 16. It's been one every year since, I think, 2008. There were two last year. Um, Who will go the farthest out of 15-seeded St. Peter's 
Peacocks, 11-seeded Iowa State Cyclones and Michigan Wolverines, and the 10-seeded Miami Hurricanes. Well, it sounded like you were prompting me to talk about my mascot bracket for a second there, but uh, look... It's gotta be. It's gotta be the winner of Miami and Ohio and Iowa State for me because I just don't. We already talked about this. We both think Purdue and Villanova are going to win, uh, and that means that that leaves two teams and they're playing each other. Uh, I think that the winner goes farther, and obviously, since I think that Miami is going to be the winner of that game, I think they're going to go farther. But I wouldn't put it past Miami to actually beat Kansas. That's the other thing. I don't think. I. I, I honestly. I don't think St. Peter's is capable of beating anybody who comes out from North Carolina or UCLA just because whoever wins that game is pretty much going to be unstoppable at that point until they cool off for a, <laughs> for another week and then run into Gonzaga uh, or maybe even or maybe even Duke. But I just think that I, I honestly think that if Providence could somehow pull off the upset against Kansas, I think Miami could beat Providence, and I also think, by the way, that Miami could beat Kansas or Providence. So. If any of the, if multiple of them get to the Elite Eight, I also think Miami has the best chance of making it all the way to the Final Four, which is why I think best chance of advancing this round and best chance of hypothetically advancing next round, got to go with Miami. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Like we said, Miami, it's just Miami because of their opponent, which obviously knocks out Iowa State. And I'll go out on a limb and say if Providence upsets Kansas, Miami is going to be in the Final Four. So let's move on to our other favorite question. A five-seater horse has reached the Final Four in each of those last eight tournaments and ten in ten of the last 11 tournaments. Is it Miami? Who do you think could be this year's team um, out of who's left over of those five-seed pluses? So we have in the West, we have no one. It's all it's all chalk. It's one, two, three, and four. Uh, in the South, we have Houston and Michigan still remaining. In the Midwest, we have Iowa State and Miami, who obviously play each other. We've talked about that. And in the East, we have North Carolina and St. Peter. So if you exclude the West, there is... There's a 50-50 chance, pretty much. Uh, half the teams are five seed or lower. Half the teams are higher than a five seed in every region other than the West. So we know that it's not going to happen from the West region. Um, it's got it has to be Houston, but at the same time, that would be too predictable for March. So I feel like it's not going to be Houston just because of that. And I feel like if I had to pick a second one, it's got to be North Carolina. Uh, but is it possible that we could see a Butler or VCU-type run from a major conference team like Michigan, Miami, or Ohio, or Iowa State? Definitely. I think that if Michigan plays well enough to beat Villanova, they will play well enough to beat Arizona. I just don't have that much confidence in the first thing happening. Uh, but also, if Houston's if everything goes to my predictions, but except for Michigan beats Villanova, then all of a sudden you have a guarantee of that situation happening because uh, Houston or Michigan have to go in. But also, I think... Look, in the, in the same way, Iowa State and Miami, one of them is guaranteed to be in the Elite Eight. And then in the South, you have, if one of those two teams wins, you're automatically having a something versus a, a five or worse. And same thing in the East. So no matter what, we're looking at a decent chance that at least, well, we know at least one of these teams will have a chance. I'm going to take a guess and say that two of these teams will have a chance to make it. And I feel like I like the odds of having two of those teams have a chance. And you know what? It might end up being very, very chalk, and it might be that overall we have two one-seeds or maybe even three one-seeds in the Final Four, but I think there will be a very, very low-seeded team joining the three of them. I, I, th I honestly think that out of that Baylor region, you might see North Carolina, maybe you see UCLA, and if so, then you're going to see maybe two ones, a four, and then a five, or, or even an 11, I could say, uh, but I, I, I think Houston, but I, I also say I already jinxed Texas, so... Maybe I won't be public enemy number one in, in 
in the state of Texas if uh, Houston loses. So uh, maybe I won't go with that. Maybe I'll say North Carolina instead. All right. Well, I said Houston was going to lose to Arizona. Um, and uh, <laughs> so I picked against them. And I also said if Providence beats Kansas, that Miami is going to be going to the Final Four. So you think I'd pick Miami here. I'm going to contradict myself just because I'm going to try to be consistent. I've been answering the question the same way since the start of the podcast previews of the tournament. I said Houston or Iowa. Iowa's gone. I'm going to stick to my guns and say Houston. Uh, by the way, your Michigan pick, I'd love for it to come true. Having seen Michigan play Arizona in person in the beginning of the year, granted Michigan's better. Uh, I just don't think Michigan can beat Arizona. You can make the argument Arizona's better too, though. Yeah, I don't think Michigan. <laughs> I don't think Michigan can beat Arizona based upon what I saw with my own two eyes. Uh, if Michigan should somehow get past Villanova, and if Michigan gets past Villanova and they face Houston, I just fear that karma's going to come back and bite them from the Jordan Poole shot a few years ago, um, and that Houston's going to get the revenge. So I'm going to stick with Houston, despite me not predicting them to win next game. I'm just going to be consistent. And, and pick Houston. Um, let's move on. Again, on one of our favorite topics, Ken Palm, top 20 in offense and defense, tends to be a predictor of who wins the national championship. Our options right now of the teams that are left are Gonzaga, Arizona, Houston, and UCLA. Patrick, who do you think of the Ken Palm top 20 offense defense is going to win this thing? Well, I would like to mention that if you picked a bracket with the teams that fit that category going the farthest every single year, you would do very, very well. It might be a boring bracket. It might not have many upsets as you would like, but Baylor is the only team who was in this from the start and is, at, by the way, no one has has jumped up into this and no one has fallen out of it other than Baylor because they literally lost in the tournament and aren't obviously, it's not possible for them to win anymore. But we're down to 16 teams. There were We had five out of the 68 at the beginning and now four out of the 16 are also still part of it. So I like those odds. Uh, but if I had to pick from these teams, I'm going with Gonzaga or UCLA. I know I was so high on Arizona. I know I've talked about Arizona as the best team in the Pac-12 the entire season. But again, I just think that they showed weaknesses against TCU. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they lost to Houston. But regardless, I do have a new title pick. And I think, just like Kentucky, if Kansas wants to win a national championship, they're currently 26th in defense. Maybe this will go the same way and they'll lose right, right away. First. Uh, but... They have to move up six slots in defense if, if they want to get to win a championship. I think that if they can hold a Providence team to 60 points and then they can hold Miami, who's a very, very strong offensive team, to maybe also 65, 70-ish points, by the time they get to the Final Four, if they're able to win it all, they, they will join the stat anyway. Uh, but I, I think Kansas is my title pick as of right now. I, I just have to go with Kansas because they really do have an easy road, honestly. Uh, I, I think Providence is great. But they get to play a double-digit seed guaranteed in the same way that Purdue is playing a 15 and then the winner of an 8 and a 4. Kansas has to beat the 4 themselves, but then it's a double-digit seed waiting for them with a chance to get to the Final Four right after. So if I had to pick from those teams, going with Gonzaga or UCLA, but I would pick Kansas as my actual title pick. All right, well, I've been saying Gonzaga and Arizona from the beginning, so I'm going to stick with either Gonzaga. Well, I'll stick with both Gonzaga and Arizona, the teams I would choose. Um... And if I have to take a wild card, I'm going with Purdue. The number two offensive efficiency, which, done, which as you've mentioned, has done very well in predicting things. And the number eight in defensive efficiency. But the reason why I'm picking them is the reason 85, you said. 85, not eight. Sorry, 85. The reason They'd why be I'm really good if they were number eight. Is the reason you said they're in the elite eight. I don't care what anybody says. And if they're, if they're spending four days practicing for St. Peter's, they're morons. They should spend one day, maybe the last day, 
on St. Peter's and be working on North Carolina or UCLA. Their path is a lot easier. Maybe Kentucky Patrick. did that, and that's why they lost. So I don't recommend that, Matt Painter, if you're listening somewhere. Well, all right, Matt, take my advice. Ignore them. That runs over. You'll stop. I don't them. think Matt Painter needs your advice. He definitely doesn't, and he'll do worse off if he if he takes my advice. But Probably. Their path is so easy. Their their ticket their ticket to the Final Four is much easier. So I'm going to go with Purdue. And because um, of the fact that we picked another team that's playing St. Peter's in their very next game as as having an easy road, we already know that they're going to lose right away. So uh, you think I'm jinxing Kansas? Talk about the St. Peter's jinx instead. You just call them the Pelicans. You're sending bad energy their way. They're going to figure it out, and they're going to beat Purdue now. Now that now, Purdue now I'm going to change my pick. Pummels the Peters Peacocks. Okay. And that puts. A ribbon doesn't start with a P. No, uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll. It was a premature pause. That wraps this edition of the Fourth and Twenty Four podcast. Please be sure to check out our next podcast, which will be on Friday, March twenty fifth, where we will have our weekly in depth analysis of college basketball action. In the meantime, please be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his picks for next weekend's games and his MLB power rankings, which will have two preseason editions. The first of which comes out tomorrow. Also, his NBA Power Rankings that will be published again on Wednesday. All of that content on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.